to a Hope 103.2 podcast. Hello and welcome to Australia's Invisible History, the podcast where we make the invisible visible. I'm Katrina Rowe, a broadcaster, author and storyteller. Together with Dr Paul Rowe, the Outback historian, we are retelling the stories of some of Australia's forgotten heroes, pioneers and visionaries. Whether they are politicians or pastors, business people or athletes, doctors or farmers, these people have one thing in common, their faith inspired their greatest achievements. As you hear their stories, we hope you'll be inspired to join in the work of making the invisible visible. Today's story starts in Adelaide, where Sister Janet Mead was a teacher and nun who pioneered the concept of a rock mass. She wanted to modernise the Catholic mass to appeal to more young people, and it was in that context that she recorded the song that would make her reluctantly famous. She began this extraordinary experiment of making up rock masses in the early 1970s. She saw this as a way of connecting with this generation that were being sort of alienated from church, I think, in that, that era. And so she saw this as a way of reaching out to them. She never anticipated her rock version of the Lord's Prayer would become such a big hit, and she didn't enjoy the media attention she received. But she was much more than a one-hit wonder. She was named South Australian Citizen of the Year in 2005 because of her work with the homeless. We are discovering Australia's untold stories with Dr. Paul Rowe, the Outback historian. Today's story takes us to Adelaide, where Sister Janet Mead pioneered the concept of the rock mass at St. Xavier's Cathedral. She shot into the international music charts in 1974 with her rock version of The Lord's Prayer. She was the first Australian to achieve gold record status in the US. But her impact went well beyond her music. Dr. Paul Rowe, the Outback historian, is here to fill us in. G'day, Paul. G'day, Katrina. How are you going? Yeah, well, thanks. So what do we know about uh, Sister Janet Mead's early years? Well, not a great deal. Um, She keeps a pretty low profile. There's not really a lot of information about those early years. But what we do know that by 17, she was part of uh, a Catholic community down in Adelaide. And she had a particular heart for children. She was heading to be a music teacher. And so she began this extraordinary experiment of making up rock masses in the early 1970s, which resonates with me because uh, I'm an ageing rock and roller and uh, in our church we're experimenting with guitars and amplifiers and all that sort of thing, much to the dismay of our elders. But she saw this as a way of connecting with this generation that were being sort of alienated from church, I think, in that, that era. And so she saw this as a way of reaching out to them. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Did she talk much? Do we have any of her writings or do we know much about her philosophy of why she brought faith and music together in this way? Well, there are little snatches. She didn't sort of have a very public profile. Uh, I think being part of that community, they didn't sort of push themselves forward individually. They sort of acted as a community. But she did say a few things. For example, on the back of her first album, she said, life is a unity and therefore not divided into compartments. That means worship, music, recreation, work and all the other little boxes in our lives 
really are inseparable. And this is why I believe people should be given the opportunity to worship God with language and music that is a part of their ordinary life. And I think that gives you a pretty good window into her practice for the next, you know, 30, 40 years. Yeah, that is awesome. And so in 1974, you know, she had this massive hit with a rock version of The Lord's Prayer. Can you tell us about that and just how successful that was? Well, I think it sort of shocked everybody that you could take something as accepted and sort of part of the establishment as the Lord's Prayer, using words like hallowed, be thy name, and turn it into a rock hit. But she did. It it took off in 31 countries. Um, It sold more than 2 million copies. She was the first Australian artist to have a gold record in the United States and was the only top 10 hit in history that had lyrics entirely from the Bible. So that's quite an extraordinary thing. So this nun from Adelaide only just missed out on a Grammy Award by being taken out by Elvis Presley, of all people. Imagine losing a Grammy to Elvis Presley. (laughs) That's a claim to fame. That's not too bad, is it? Yeah, I I could wear that. (laughs) And so she was in demand to tour and she could have made more music, but instead she actually kept teaching at St Aloysius. What does that say about her character, Paul? Well, I think it goes back a long way, Katrina. She was part of the, the nuns called the Order of Mercy, and that goes way back to the very beginnings of our settlement in 1788. There's a girl called Catherine McCauley born in Ireland. She was orphaned, raised by Quaker parents. And the Quakers were known for their social action. People like Elizabeth Fry were working in the prisons to try and change things for women in the early 1800s. And so I think she caught some of that spirit. And when she was left a legacy by her adopted parents, she put it immediately into buying a house and setting up a house of mercy for girls who were on the street, girls who had no work, who were very vulnerable, because Ireland was in a big mess at the time. Economically, there was a great famine and there were great suffering in Ireland. And so she was doing what she could to meet it. And the Catholic Church eventually caught up with her and said, you need to become an order. So she became part of an order. But they spread around the world with this same heart to help the homeless, the, the poor, the oppressed, and she made a rule in her order that they didn't live in, in enclosed communities, but they actually embedded themselves in those communities that they were serving. So all around the world, they were known as the walking nuns because they got out and about. And I think she was part of that group. She joined it in Adelaide. They sort of shaped her life. And so a lot of what she did, she decided in community, not just as an individual. So the rock world, you know, it's your individual stardom that matters. But she said, no, I'm part of a community who is serving people and I'm going to choose that path because it's a bigger story and much more permanent than just being a rock star for overnight. Yeah. Well, she was also um, quite politically active, wasn't she, in supporting people in society who were having a tough time? Absolutely. Again, that was part of the the Mercy Nuns philosophy. They were on the cutting edge, if you like. Uh, They were around the world. They were known for being in the action. And so she was in the action a few times publicly. One was when uh, Patrick's Stevedore and company sacked their workers. She stood with them and tried to raise the money for the, those who were out of work. She was part of the anti-Vietnam marches of the early 70s. And uh, wherever she could, she stood up for the Aboriginal people. When she did go public, again, uh, it wasn't to, to create another hit, but to to do what she could for those who were helpless. 
she sang songs that were about uh, helping people. So she said, I like singing protest songs because we should protest about things that are wrong and we should stand up for what's true. And that's what's going to strengthen our country. And I like that about her. She, well, she was offered a tour of America and all, so I think she could have done the whole rock star bit, but she, she turned all that away, put the money to charity and got on with her calling as it was in teaching kids. And so she passed away in January of 2022. How do you think we should remember Sister Janet Mead? Well, that's a good question. I mean, obviously when the head, it hit the headlines all around Australia, that was remarkable. So she hadn't really had much public profile apart from those incidents I mentioned. And it says to me that she was well remembered for, A, that hit, but then perhaps bigger than the hit itself was the, the thing she used, the Lord's Prayer, which you can't get more sort of close to the heart of Jesus than that. I mean, it came from the lips of Jesus. He said, this is the prayer I, I want to teach my disciples to pray. And it's probably the most prayed, prayed prayer in history. So it's known all around the world. And I think when all said and done, it won't be so much that she had a hit in 1974, that here's a woman who could match it in that world, but rather busied herself and chose to invest her life on behalf of other people. And it's uh, lovely too that in uh, 2004, she was named the South Australian of the Year, not for her music, but for decades of caring for the homeless. Exactly. I think that's it. And she should be remembered for the greatness of her life that she served the poor and the outcast and the, the lowly. Thank you so much, Paul. Okay, you're welcome. That's Dr. Paul Rowe, the Outback historian. We've been talking about the life of Sister Janet Mead, the Australian rock star nun who dedicated her life to the homeless. You can find out more about Paul Rowe and his work at theoutbackhistorian.com.au. Thanks for listening to Episode 17 of Australia's Invisible History, the podcast where we make the invisible visible. In Episode 18, we'll meet the orphan who became a millionaire. But David Bousseau wanted more out of life than just business success. He wanted to make a real difference. Cyclone Tracy came and wiped out Darwin. He took a team of his builders up there to fix things. And in the middle of the wreckage there, I think he, he began to look around and think, you know, this is worthwhile. This is something I can do with my resource, my strength, my entrepreneurial skills. I can actually help people. In our next episode, we'll find out how David Bousseau founded his development charity, Opportunity International, and helped thousands out of poverty. I hope you'll join us. Hey, if you've enjoyed this episode of Australia's Invisible Histories, please do subscribe and share among your friends so we can keep telling the stories. Plus, you can find more details and useful links in the show notes. Hope 1032. Thanks for listening.